0: You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Rimmel, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Some additional housekeeping notes, as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, recapping Miami's victory over the Houston Rockets. Uh, stay tuned this Thursday for my first ever locker room session. I don't know exactly what to call those things. I'll, I'll be holding my own locker room. That gives you the chance to talk to me live on the air. I'll be recording the show that'll be used for an upcoming podcast, but at the same time, you can talk to me, bring up questions, anything you have to talk about the team or, you know, even outside of basketball. As I've mentioned before, always open to kind of takes on, well, general pop culture you know I, I tend to go towards more of the geek end of the spectrum especially when it comes to comic books and the mcu things of that sort so feel free to always bring up questions like that but uh, you can do so in locker room this thursday at around five o'clock time still somewhat fluctuating because you know toddler and all but uh he's not exactly open to joining me on the locker room but you can't so that's all that matters today's episode one that's probably got a lot of heat twitter somewhat upset over the last few weeks it's tyler hero uh not an easy situation for tyler not an easy situation for the team and certainly puts fans in an uncomfortable situation because there's a lot to break down when it comes to what tyler has been able to do and hasn't and moreover and whether or not he has a long-term role with his team there's uh, the weight of expectations there's some recent uh, quote unquote reporting about some concerns from the team too that I'll get into later on in the show, but kind of wanted to just talk a little bit about Tyler and and you know obviously from the numbers standpoint, we all know what's what's going on there. He's struggling. Like there's no way around it. I I don't that a deep dive into the numbers uh, isn't really necessary. He he's just he's not shooting well. He has the occasional bucket that kind of reminds you. Oh damn, this kid is still incredibly talented but the consistency hasn't been there at first. It looked like he was able to shed the yoke of the pressure after the trade deadline, because he was still part of the team. And then somehow he reverted back to a version of himself that we didn't expect to see where he was shy about taking shots, making bad plays, making bad decisions. Moreover, That's the part that look, if he's shooting, I think Eric Spolster has been a hundred percent comfortable with him shooting when he's wide open. It's, part of Tyler's game, however, to put the ball down, to be able to just go at somebody and put up tough shots, contested shots, shots that he's not knocking down at nearly as high a rate as he was last year. And so there's overall issues there about his level of play. It's also the decision-making though, that's got me most concerned because you would think that even at his age, after a couple years of experience now, he'd be a little bit more aware of when to make the right pass or when to find the right player, not to necessarily look for his own shot above all else. Uh, I, I don't think he's quite – well, it's tough. I, I mean, if I had to gauge right now, I don't know which one of them, between him or or Kendrick, are more likely to just take their shot. Like, it's so important to have a scorer's mentality. I mean, we just had this debate following Bam's game winner – you know, as uh, collectively, I say, not uh, individually. But we just talked about this. Like Bam's willingness to take that final shot and the victory over the Brooklyn Nets represents something I mentioned in that recap, a, an evolutionary step for him, that he's in that position now for the first time in his career, that he's willing to take it, that he shrugged everybody off, that he didn't call for a, a timeout, that he didn't want to make the pass to somebody else, that he wanted to take the shot. And he took it and he hit it. That scores mentality is important. But it also works that way because of the balance in who who Bam is as a player. The fact that he is such a good passer, that he does often make that play. And it's much to the chagrin of Heat Twitter and Heat fandom that he's not nearly as aggressive as you want him to be. But the balance is there because he's a playmaker, because he does look for his shot, maybe not as often as you'd like, but I think there's an evolution there that he's willing to take. He's grown. He's developed as a player. And so I think where he's at right now at 23 years old and being the player that he is is certainly more than suitable. Like there's no denying that. Bam is an excellent player, a fantastic defender and good enough in every aspect of his game where we should all be very satisfied with his level of play. Can he do more? Sure. On occasion, which, which of us can't, right? I mean, and I know we're not talking about ourselves as individuals and necessarily as basketball players, but Bam has done a phenomenal job of growing in his fourth season he is an all-star level player, one of the best young players in the league, perhaps one of the top 25 best players in the league. That's something to be very, very comfortable and and again suitable. There's the, any other expectations are unrealistic and shouldn't be applied to a level to a player like that. As for Tyler, though, that's the whole thing. It's it's the fact that he does have that scores mentality, and then there isn't that other balance around him, and without it you kind of just see the darker sides of that personality where it's just look looking to take his shot or you know putting up shots in traffic getting his shot blocked when he leads a transition fast break I, I mean those kinds of things start to pile up and unfortunately it's not necessarily recency bias but it kind of just it's more like a snowball effect with him where like you start off this season started off i know it certainly did for me where i didn't expect tyler to reach all-star level status but i thought he was going to continue building on what he was doing. like He was promoted to the starting lineup. We knew he was going to you know, start over Goron. It was the right choice. We didn't think Kendrick was going to have a run or, or any kind of role as a starter. And then that didn't work out for him for a number of reasons. One, the short turnaround, uh, Jimmy's injury early on, uh, health and safety protocols, just a, just an overall lack of consistency, a flow of identity, as Eric Sposter likes to Alexa say. And so it didn't quite work out for for Tyler to take that immediate step and then from there it kind of just again cumulatively started to snowball where we started to see more of the same weaknesses from last season and that he hadn't necessarily gotten any better in the in that regard and perhaps even had taken slight degrees down uh, you know as far as getting even worse. And if that's the case, there's not much to be Happy about when it comes to Tyler's individual performance this year. Like, there are still moments where he comes up big, where he hits those shots and things of that sort, where he can make the right pass, where he makes a spectacular play off the dribble or puts up a a falling away kind of bank layup, you know, from, from as he's drifting out the ba- baseline, you know, like there are just shots there that are acrobatic that for years we all appreciated as circus shots from Dwayne Wade. And, and you know, that was Dwayne as a superior athlete to Tyler in every way and yet Tyler's still able to hit those shots and yet you kind of start to get more and more frustrated. So I think and I and I hate being guilty of this because I know a lot of you want hot takes because well hell it's fun, right? It's fun to ride that wave of, of excitement one way or the other. Whether you're really excited about a win or really dejected about a loss, you kind of just get caught up in the emotion of it. Why else listen to sports, right, or watch sports? Because you love the emotions of it, and so you kind of attach those and describe those same emotions to your pursuit or, or following of a certain player. And with Tyler, it's like you loved being in the moment. Again, I've talked about this a million times. Nobody, no player in Heat history has... Elicited the kind of response that Tyler Hero did last year in the American Airlines Arena as I was covering a number of games. Like that kid, every time he dribbled the ball, held nineteen thousand fans' collective breath. Everybody excited to see him, going a slowly building hum, knowing something big was going to happen. And then when he hits the shot, it was a collective "yeah" of excitement. Everybody appreciative of what Tyler could do, and then that slowly turns on you, and that's that emotion going on one end of the spectrum now is on the other end, where Tyler sucks, where Tyler can't do shit, where Tyler is just not taking good shots and not a good player, and so, and so, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a little unfortunate because I think, while well, he has not been good, he has not been awful. And he's still a 21-year-old rookie in the second year of his NBA career in what is the most difficult season in NBA freaking history. Like, we cannot take that away from him. He didn't enjoy a, a summer league for a second straight season. There was a short turnaround between last year and this one. Like he made a significant leap because of the hiatus last March before the bubble. He didn't have that opportunity this year. So I think there's another level for him to reach. Perhaps the expectations need to be tempered a little bit, my own included. I you know, I, I, I was biased, as I've mentioned before. This isn't reporting necessarily, but having talked to you know, one of his skills trainers here in South Florida, A respected NBA skills trainer, not Stanley Remy, but somebody else. And, you know, he spoke very, very highly of his workouts with Tyler. And he believes wholeheartedly, this is not just saying this as a client, because he he was very, very, uh, let's say, honest in his uh, evaluation of other players. But when it came to Tyler, he was such a believer in what Tyler could do and his work ethic and everything else that he still sees that player as a potential all-star multi-time all-star were his exact words and that he couldn't quite put a pin on it maybe not quite hall of fame level maybe not you know consistent all-star level player but multi-time that he's within the he's within the running from here until the end of his career as a, a player that could garner the enough votes and enough appreciation around the league to be an all-star level player that's an incredible honor and to be able to To see that potential in a 21-year-old player, I think, is incredibly special as well. So I've got a couple of questions I want to answer in this first segment before moving on. Will asks, do you think Tyler Hero will reach a point where if he's not starting, he will want to leave? And what move or moves do you think are Miami's priorities this offseason? So I won't answer the second part of this question, Will. Thank you so much for sending this in. You asked this a couple of, uh, I want to say, a week ago uh via direct message which is always available to everybody and i told you i'd, I'd include this in an upcoming mailback episode this isn't quite a mailbag episode so it's specifically you know talking about tyler so i wanted to include part one of your question as far as tyler reaching a point where if he's not starting he will want to leave i don't think so right away i don't think so like this season you know that he bristled at the at, at the benching and while it was with good reason I think he accepted the motion. I don't think he's been upset about it. I don't think he's griping. Again, there is a lack of connectivity there without the access of the locker room, without seeing players interact, without seeing guys, you know, just be who they are with one another, where I can't get a sense necessarily of whether or not Tyler is on the outs or whether or not people are unappreciative or whether or not Tyler's pissed off at said player. I don't get that sense from the conversations I have seen are conversations with people from within the team. But when it comes to Tyler, I I don't think he's happy having been benched, but he also said the right things. And I think he believes in the right things that as long as he's starring in his role and I'm paraphrasing here, it doesn't matter whether it's a role as a starter or as a role as a bench player. He's look, he was out there and Throughout all the fourth quarter, maybe a bad decision on Eric Spoelstra's part, but that was the choice anyway. He was there for the whole fourth quarter over Kendrick Dunn, who was arguably playing much better than Tyler. Maybe that aggravated the injury that forced him to sit out against the Houston Rockets on Monday. But either way, Tyler getting the the nod from Spo. So I, I think Tyler is okay with the role for now. But yes, to Will's point, eventually he's going to want to continue to get more and more accolades like he's going to want to continue to build on it you cannot accept his role so easily at 21 knowing that you can be better if he improves like i think he would have to say and maybe this is a a part of the self-assessment that all players seem to struggle with at times is that you know maybe there's the conversations they have with themselves like well if i was getting more minutes i'd be more productive i'd be better all i need is a chance And maybe that's true, and maybe it isn't. Maybe more minutes just leads to exposure as being a worse player than you actually are. So it's tough. The coaches do not have an easy task of trying to determine who's available, who's best for whatever particular lineups and things of that sort. So Right now, I think Tyler is not concerned about starting versus coming off the bench. Eventually, it will be an issue for him. Because like all players, he wants to show out. He wants to be able to get paid. And that's the priority. Like, I, th- I think that didn't he tattoo something about wanting to get paid like uh, last offseason? And and maybe, you know, that's part of the problem. It's something I'll talk about in the next segment because I, I think there are concerns about uh, whether or not some teammates have bristled at his attitude, something in uh, about that. But uh, anyway, I'll talk a little bit more about that later on because I think it's worth getting into. And then finally, I'll wrap up today's episode with a conversation about whether or not Tyler should have been traded earlier this season. Uh, right now, I'm sure a lot of you were nodding your head saying, hell yeah, get him off my team. But I don't know that it's that easy to answer. And certainly wasn't that easy for Pat Riley in the front office. But uh, there's another question I'll get into later on. But first and foremost, it's time for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Look, Jimmy Baller has held that title pretty consistently since we started... Uh, promoting Globe ultra and with good reason like there is no player out there that as, as as dogged and determined as he is he loves to win but he loves to enjoy the game like for him the conversation about whether or not it's more important to win or more important to enjoy the game or maybe you can't enjoy the game unless you're winning like i don't know any player who summarizes it as good as jimmy does But when it comes to just being able to take in the moment, just kind of this appreciation, appreciating the game as it's being played out, kind of like sitting back with a nice cold Michelob Ultra. No player has done it better than Jimmy Butler. But this Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is actually bam at a buyout because his performance against Brooklyn, after coming through some criticism from Jimmy Butler, maybe not direct criticism, but let's say calling out whether or not he needs to tweak aspects of his game, he responds with a big game-winning shot Against the Brooklyn Nets, and that was pure enjoyment. Seeing him come to this point where he could recognize that he was a capable scorer that can hit game-winning shots—that's a huge step for him. And I, I think he, if all players, if any player this week deserves a nice cold, cold Michelob Ultra, it's Bam bio And look, at only 2.5 carbs, 2.6 carbs, excuse me, and 95 calories, nothing gives you more joy than just being able to sit back and enjoy a delicious. Michelob Ultra, knowing that it's a guilt-free experience, you know? It's not the whole game maybe to just sit back and enjoy a beer or to hit a game-winning shot, but there's so many different aspects to it. Michelob Ultra helps you always remember all those key moments. So make sure you go out there, pick up a nice six-pack of Michelob Ultra and enjoy the game moving forward. And I'll talk a little bit more about Tyler here on the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Locked On Podcast Network is covering the NFL Draft from all angles. Catch up on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Odyssey. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast for the latest draft news. And stay tuned for more info about our live NFL Draft coverage. So again, I wanted to get into a little bit more about Tyler Hero. Talk about the recent reporting and the potential concerns, the reported concerns from the team, if you will and then talk about whether or not he should have been traded, because I think right now the pendulum is certainly swinging in that absolutely yes position, but uh, maybe that's not as easy a decision as you all might think. But this question comes in from Hayden, who writes in via email. In terms of attitude, and it might just be who he is, but Tyler seems so chill all the time. Relaxed, bringing up the ball, loose passes, etc. He doesn't seem to have that quote-unquote hustle about him. I would love for him to have more desperation in the way he plays. Or is that just not his vibe and not everyone needs to be like that? So it's a good question. And maybe this is just something that Hayden is seeing about how Tyler performs. And I get this sense a lot, too. Like, I'll never forget uh, my, my brother is a very emotional and passionate person, especially when it came to sports. And a little bit too much, so from my takes. I've always been maybe a little bit more even keeled, even before I got into reporting and journalism. I, I just never really, I never really swung that way in terms of being able to just get so. I, look, I've gotten worked up plenty. Don't get me wrong, but I just, I can't live and die with every play because, well, hell, you, you'll suffer a heart attack. And my brother was. <laughs> Pretty close, many times, more times than I'd like to admit. But moreover, like every time Dwayne was bringing the ball up and he would walk it up slowly, it was a a yelling and screaming and cursing at arguably the greatest player in uh, Miami Heat history, calling him a lazy bastard, bringing the ball up, why are you taking your sweet time, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I feel like this is kind of worked into, to some degree, in Hayden's question, maybe not quite as overtly, but you kind of get frustrated with Tyler because maybe, as, as Hayden says, there's no desperation to the way he plays. But I will counter that with, again, what I mentioned before, that Tyler does have incredible work ethic. And I think for him it's more about polish under pressure, which is why he likes those moments in the clutch where he can take those shots and has hit shots in the clutch. I think that's important to remember is that this was the player who we saw last year who was you know hitting game winners and, and, and tying the game up in key moments who would lead a fast break against the Philadelphia 76ers and pull back for a three-pointer and hit it in order to save Miami's chances at that game. Like These are huge, monumental, momentum-swinging plays that Tyler was willing to take. So maybe it's not about – like the, the, it's so weird to say we're countered out with he's too chill, but perhaps we should be just saying, well, maybe he's just ice, you know, ice cold, right? Cold blooded in his approach to the game. Do we want him to really be more loose and frenzied out there? Can't imagine why we would. You know, that would seem to me like it would be more uh, mistake prone than anything else. So I, I don't I necessarily see the the point of him him being too chill. I think he is one capable, two extremely confident. Like, you got to have swag. I mean, like, I again, maybe it ties into the whole theme of today's show, but I don't think Tyler shoots his shot with an internet model the way he has unless he has some incredible level of confidence. And maybe, you know, the two things aren't exactly related, but I get the feeling they're kind of sort of related. You know, I think just Tyler believes in who he is when he was drafted because he, he you know, he he basically told a really passionate fan base For the University of Wisconsin, his hometown, the team that he had grown up rooting for, I like the Badgers and all, but I know I'm going to go pro, and I'm going to go pro soon, and I want to be put in the same position, the best position to be able to achieve that, which is why he went, traveled a couple miles down south to the University of Kentucky instead. And it wound up being a, a tough decision because obviously we all know about how fans... Uh, in Wisconsin rejected him and his family, and they were criticizing him. And, you know, there was some, some incidents there of which, you know, Tyler persevered. And he made the right choice because, hell, after one year in Kentucky, he went pro, and he's going to get paid. And he turned out to be a pretty solid player so far. I, I think he's very aware of who he is. I think he's confident. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much more <sighs> desperate he should play like. I think he wants to play under control because I think he does, I I think his level of play actually does show a little bit of more um, improvisation, you know, kind of like jazz in in that sense where he's just, and I know that that it's a somewhat cliched uh, comparison, but uh, I'll bring it up anyway. I I feel like there's a lot of improv there. Maybe more like a, you know, kind of more like a a jam band kind of thing where... You have a structure, but the freedom to kind of just veer outside of it a little bit. So, you know, let's try something different. Let's try a new comparison other than Jazz. But anyway, I think that's where we kind of see what, what, you know, Tyler and his approach to the game, whether or not he's attacking the basket or looking to score, or even when he's making those passes. Look, again, the decision making has been wonky all season long. I think he's trying to make something happen, and I feel like... There is internal pressure. Like, this guy is absolutely aware of how hard it is uh, to be a successful NBA player. And I think he's put in the work, or else the team wouldn't have said as consistently as they did for all of last season and the start of this year that there were great things and and the hopes for the expectations on Tyler. So this is the – thank you, Hayden, for sending in that question. Thank you, Will, for sending in your question in the first segment. But then uh, later on, I also will talk again about, you know, whether or not we should reconsider whether or not Tyler should have been traded earlier in the season. But I want to talk about the latest news that has so much has created so much of a controversy as well as was intended to, which is the recent report. Ethan Skolnick and Ira Winderman on a recent podcast talked about the Tyler Hero situation, and look, I. I, In the same way that Ethan mentions he doesn't want to bring up the personal aspects of a player's life, I don't necessarily want to attack another uh, media member. Uh, but I also want to say that I think it's kind of disingenuous to be reporting this and then saying, but wait, what? Aggregation? Look, no, out of context. No, not what I meant to say when clearly that's exactly what he meant to say. And it's it is unfortunate. And I'm not even denying whether or not the team may or may not have concerns. Because let's be honest, the team has a really, 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 really myopic view of what a player should be. You should be absolutely devout in your following of basketball. You should be consuming basketball at all ends. Or if not, at the very least, you should be able to play on the court so well that it doesn't matter what your interests off the court are. And look, Jimmy Butler... He's gone around, and done things, Dwayne Wade before him, Alonzo. I mean, no player in Heat history doesn't like to get after it in the parlance of the NBA, you know? They, they like to do what they like to do off the court. And maybe there's a concern, as Ethan and Ira hinted at, from the Heat front office regarding his girlfriend and his Chipotle bowl and his Tyler cereal or whatever the hell they're called. Heroes? I don't even know. The point is it doesn't matter. I don't think they have such a level of concern that they're uh, that they feel negative about Tyler or his performance or whether or not they have any issue with him um, as a player this season, because again, this is the same organization that religiously told media members, fans, everybody that Tyler was a part of this team in the future, that Tyler was a devout worker, that he was as committed to improving in the game of basketball as any player that had ever seen, and that that's what made him stand out. This is why they drafted him. I don't think it's fair to put this out there and then pretend that you didn't put it out there, and moreover, I don't think that's the issue. Like I I think there's a little bit of not being able to develop, not having the time to develop the way you normally would during a regular NBA season, maybe having some off-court interest kind of detract from it, and maybe guys around the team saying you know what maybe you should focus a little bit more on basketball but it's a it's you got to get after it you got to get yours like i i just i can't fault tyler for wanting to build his brand it's important to do that at the nba level now yes ideally you'd be able to back it up with some incredible level of play and and look there's a recent piece uh from uh NBC Sports talking about that exactly where they kind of included some of Ethan's comments there and then added some context about Jimmy Butler that even Jimmy was a player who was viewed by the Chicago Bulls teammates as somebody who was a little bit too interested in the off the court stuff. But Jimmy played so well on the court and was so completely devoted to uh, basketball and worked so hard and so tirelessly that it kind of squashed all those concerns to some degree, not not entirely. And so players will always be jealous of players and other, the attention that they get, the money they get. Like maybe for a guy like, I'm not putting this out there. I'm not reporting anything. I'm just saying as in a theoretical for a guy like Kendrick Dunn, who put up pretty good numbers last year. I mean, is he pissed off that Tyler is viewed as, you know, wonder boy. I can't see why he wouldn't be, you know, is Duncan a little bit pissed off as just being lumped in with Tyler as the two white guys that can shoot, you know, I, there's always going to be little tensions. As I've said a million times, This is a working environment. What happened last year, the camaraderie in that group, the camaraderie that carried over through COVID and through the Orlando bubble is not typical, which is, I think, partly at least why they were able to go as far and deep in the playoffs as they were, was because they had that incredible chemistry as a team, as a group that seemed to genuinely like each other. A big part of which is a player that we don't even like talking about, Myers-Leonard. Like for all of Myers' obvious faults that have been, you know, been made aware to us this season, he was a good locker room presence that a lot of guys liked. I would go so far as to say that Jimmy Butler personally really, really liked having Myers on the team because he was a guy who works hard and and was loud and and was, you know, pushed everybody because he was just. Booming that booming voice of his that was more like a, a you know, a wrestler, a professional wrestler, just urging you on and keeping you going and making jokes and being a country hick and all these kinds of things that these aw shucks type personalities that players kind of tend to put out there uh, when they're trying to blend in and things of that sort. But he was a, a presence and a positive one that, that kept everybody at an even keel. Like even his, and I don't want to go on too much about Myers, but the fact that he didn't pout when he was benched and was reduced to a non-existent role in the playoffs, that shit speaks volumes to the guys in that locker room. That It's like you're not chasing after the bag, that you're not looking to put yourself above the pursuit of team success. And I think Tyler still feels that way too. Like I don't think – like he's trying to get his individually, but I think he'd still love more than anything else to help carry this team to victory. So I don't – again – Not a knock on the reporting or the journalists responsible for said reporting, but I think it's a little disingenuous. And I think it's all part of today's just general environment of let's say looking for clicks, right? You get a good hot headline on there. You get a nice hot take something to stir the pot a little bit to piss people off. A lot more people know about Ethan and that podcast today than they did three days ago before he said what he did about Tyler. That doesn't necessarily going to translate to a lot of listens or a lot of views or a lot of subscribers or followers or anything like that, but he got his job done. And that's part of the game, right? I don't like it. I don't personally adhere to it myself. And that's probably my own fault. But you know what? That's a a different value, a different approach to things. And uh, anyway... That's just that's just my take on the situation. I, I don't like it. I don't like the reporting of it. I don't like being brought it being brought up because I think it's a little bit disingenuous. And even if there's actual reporting to it, which again I absolutely believe that there are concerns, I don't think any of them are severe enough to warrant this kind of backlash that he's gonna face now. That 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 all of a sudden national media outlets are picking up on what Ethan and Ira said, and now all of a sudden there's this this huge wedge being formed between the team. The team that just recently refused to include Tyler Hero in a package for Kyle Lowry. Something I'll talk about in the next segment. But before I do that, let me just tell you a little bit more about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried it by now, you're doing yourself a disservice. 18 amazing flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. And they're great for health conscious people if you're looking to lose or maintain weight while deliz- uh, indulging in a delicious treat. Dilt Bars are the ones for you. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein high fiber. They're great for all sorts of diets. And best of all, right now, if you go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code lock 15 you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code lock 15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. And when you save a little money on Bilt make sure you spend it over at BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball are in full swing. BetOnline covers awards and TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And they've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best Way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lacanfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team are making trades, picking the next stars of their team. So search The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey. So putting a, a bow on this whole conversation about Tyler, who you know unfortunately missed Monday's game against the Houston Rockets and might be having some lingering in- injury issues throughout the rest of this short season uh, that probably will impact his, his level of play to some degree. And he can't really defend himself or show everybody up or prove everybody, all, all the doubters wrong. I guess to me, the ultimate question that, kind of, that keeps coming back to my head is whether or not Miami made a huge mistake in not trading him. And I don't think it's so easy to say. Again, as I mentioned a couple of times already, I'm sure a lot of you feel that, yes, absolutely, trade his ass for whatever at this point because he has struggled so mightily and, and he does not look like the player even that we saw hints of last season. Certainly not the player in a second year that many of us, including myself, expected to take a leap. And given all that, it seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, trade him for something of value. But I can't get away from the fact that he is so young that he, we've already seen him take some growth last season, and that given a normal level of development, a normal schedule, the, the the return to some kind of normalcy in the schedule and time, that we'll see continued growth from him. Like, he has not had the benefit of a full offseason. Even this offseason is going to be so much shorter, even if they make the NBA Finals. Even when they win the title at the end of the season, let's put it out there. Let's put it out there in the universe. Even when Miami is crowned the 2021 NBA champions, it's it's still going to be a longer off season than the last and so for Tyler, he'll have another opportunity to prove his worth, to continue to develop, to continue growing, which is why I don't think it was a bad decision. Like, I know it's fun and easy and reductive to just say, well, I can't believe you didn't include Tyler Hero in a trade for James Harden, like it was ever that simple. I can't believe you didn't include Tyler even in a trade for Kyle Lowry, like it was ever that simple. And maybe that was a big part of it, sure. For Toronto, maybe, you know, Masai Uhiri wanted a player of some potential, some youth, you know, some talent, some clearly proven talent as well to help kind of smooth over the, the feelings of loss after getting, you know, trading away your franchise player. But think about it from Miami's perspective. Like, do you have to trade Tyler hero for Kyle Lowry? If there's a pretty good chance that Kyle Lowry is going to walk away from Toronto as a free agent this year, and you can get him somewhat cheaply. You can keep Tyler hero this year. You can add Kyle Lowry. Why? Trade one for the other when you can have them both in just a few months. Now, in the short term, and I wanted to say that first and foremost, maybe, not maybe, trading for Kyle is absolutely a good move because he raises your floor. That's the thing that kind of stands out to me. is like this team would be better. They would not be able to drop the way they have because Kyle is such a great individual player where he carries teams, where he inspires teams to victory, even with his injury, even with his age, even with all the things that are going on. With him as an individual player this season in in Tampa slash Toronto, he is such a good player that he can do things so inspirationally that the rest of the team will follow suit. And, And that's something that Tyler may never have as an individual player. Like maybe Tyler raises your ceiling as a score over Kyle Lowry, and that's probably somewhat debatable. Maybe years from now that won't be as debatable. For now it is. But Kyle raises your floor. Like you're going to be a better team with Kyle Lowry on it than you are Tyler Hero. Maybe that's not uh, exactly shocking news, but between, Ty- between Tyler's poor defense and Kyle's incredibly good defense and his shot-making, his leadership, his just the things that he does out on the floor, a lot like Jimmy Butler, he makes those winning plays that inspires teams and teammates. So that's hard to kind of sh- swallow for a, a, a fan of the team because – You can look at the recent losses and everything else and maybe you could argue, well, they wouldn't have happened if you had Lowry in this team and maybe you need a guy like that in the playoffs. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You didn't last year. And maybe a lot of that was taking advantage of the opportunities of the Orlando bubble, but hell, that's something. And you have Jimmy Butler who does a lot of those same things. Like this is a guy who is so about winning plays that, I mean, that's just who Jimmy is. Like I can't separate myself from Understanding that when you have a team with Jimmy Butler on it, there's a good chance that you're going to go deep into the playoffs because I just think he'll carry you at this point in his career. He's just so good and so determined and so capable that he automatically gives you like a series win. I, I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I will be dead wrong about this like I have been about other things. But I just think that Jimmy Butler on this team is almost a, a, a absolute guarantee that you're not a, a first-round exit. Maybe that's, I would say that's too much pressure, but for a guy like Jimmy, he would embrace that so completely that it wouldn't matter. So back to the trade here. If you trade for Lowry, it probably takes you out of the pursuit of Oladipo, which maybe that doesn't make that big a deal. You know, maybe you don't need Oladipo as much uh, if you have Lowry here. But then who's your starting lineup? Do you still make the trade for Trevor Reza? Is that still the guy that kind of fits into this model? Yeah, you're trying to get rid of Myers' contract absolutely do you still bring in a guy like Ariza is your new starting lineup then Kyle Lowry Duncan Robinson Jimmy Butler Trevor Ariza and Babadabayo that's a pretty good lineup I, I I mean I don't know if necessarily locks you for title contention but it's it's certainly a pretty good one especially when you're going up against Kyrie Irving in the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals you know you're getting a lot theoretically from Kyle that you would be getting from Victor Lativo too minus some of the uh the ability to get to the rim, the athleticism certainly, but Kyle's game has never been one predicated on athleticism. So it's, it's different. Um, you know, does it cost you a scorer off the bench? In theory, Kendrick Dunn could have been the guy to fill that role. You know, he, he certainly looked good on Monday against the Houston Rockets. And a lot of people now are saying, well, this is a guy who deserves a much bigger role, but we'll forget that in a week or two when, you know, he has the typical games that Kendrick has had over the last year and a half. And if there's a chance that it could have cost you, if there's a chance it could have cost you Duncan Robinson too, then maybe that just throws everything off. Like maybe, again, in the weeks preceding the trade deadline, when Duncan was struggling and the pressures of the trade deadline were clearly getting to him, it's very easy to say, well, hell, we should have just traded Duncan Robinson. And now when he's been a freaking flamethrower over the last few weeks, I don't know that you'd want to trade him for anybody. And so it's easy to, again, get caught up in the the pendulum swing of emotions and go one way and then the other over the course of a season. Maybe even several times back and forth over the course of a season. But right now, I think that's why you put your trust in a heat front office that doesn't make those decisions so emotionally. Like, that they are willing to say, look, we have faith in our young player. We are going to keep him. We are going to develop him. And if a great player becomes available, a player greater – then Kyle Lowry, let's say a Bradley Beal becomes available, then we will pull that trade off in a, in a heartbeat. You know, that's that's what it all comes down to. Like, there, there's criticism of the front office for not acquiring Harden, you know, in the middle of a three-game losing streak. There, there's criticism for not pulling the trade, uh, you know, for not trading here for anybody. And yet, now you got two great wins, a, a game-winner from BAM, a big blowout victory over the Rockets, so you're kind of feeling a little bit better about yourself, and now, all of a sudden, the team doesn't look as bad. They're not quite as sorry or as soft, as Jimmy Butler put it. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of easy to swing in the other direction there. Just don't lose passion because that's what makes you guys so great. But try to have a little bit more of a, a nuanced, even-keel perspective. This team is not going to make stupid moves based on passion. That, that they haven't you know led with their heart on occasion – I think that's what led to the deals for James Johnson and Deion Waiters. I think it certainly was the deal that led to you know, Tyler Johnson in the wake of Dwayne Wade's departure. Those were about building brands of ensuring around the league that you're still respected when you basically kick Chris Bosh to the curb where you lose LeBron James and he starts talking shit about your franchise for two consecutive years where you know all of a sudden have Dwayne saying, you know what, this is the team that built me and I'm still going to take off anyway. You know, Kind of the same feelings that came up with the last week when his uh, ownership stake in the Utah Jazz became public. So I, I feel like those moves were a little bit more on the emotional end of the spectrum. Like in Tyler, you saw a guy who you built and developed and thought maybe he was going to be a good player. And then you matched that deal, which he could never potentially live up to. Like it was just unrealistic for him to ever be a $50 million player. His production was just never going to match it, even if you spread it out. Again, we all forget the two balloon payments, right? The the balloon of the last two years of that deal where he was getting paid $20 million a year. Oh, boy. Tough times. But this franchise has always made smart decisions, and I I think they made a smart one by not trading Tyler here. At least that's my take on it. I'm not sure if you all agree, but if you have any questions, comments, send them all over. You can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com, via Twitter, using the hashtag Ask Hello heat If you want to just send me a private message, you absolutely can. And of course, be sure to follow the show and leave a review because I do love to get good feedback on the show, but you can always send that via email and direct message as well. The, you know, the reviews help other people to find the show if necessary, or to see uh, what kind of show or how it's being perceived by its listeners. But I'm sure everybody listening to the show has probably already left a great review. And if you haven't, Well, God damn it. What are you waiting for? Special thanks to all of our sponsors, including Michelob Ultra, for supporting the show. And thanks to all of you. This is David Remill signing off for now.